right, everyone, welcome back to the Ungrown Ups. This is a very special episode. This is episode 10, or X, if you're cool like that. Wait, is this 10 or 11? This is 10. Woo! We are in the double digits. Oh, man. This is, we're never going back to single digits again. It's real now. So you've got Matthew here and Ryan over there, and we're Ungrown Ups. And so if this was a TV show, we'd potentially be on the season finale. Something like that, I think. I yeah, aren't they mostly like 10 episodes? 10, 12, something. Yeah, 10 Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Welcome to the season finale of season one of The Ungrown Ups. All right. If that's. What <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah. Either. That actually makes no sense because this is just going to be. There's no. Yeah. There's no season right, right, to right. this. This no. is a year round nonstop adventure, I guess. Yeah, it is. It is quite the adventure. And speaking of adventures. I, just, I uh, yeah, you, me? I, you, uh, well, both of us have recently been on a bit of an adventure. Uh-huh. Uh, you went to Japan. I did. I, I, it was a work trip that I, and it's really not the work trip. That's it's the middle part. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, the way I look at it is business trips give me the opportunity to see the world on somebody else's dollar. Right. And so even yes. if I'm flying in somewhere on a Monday morning and flying out on a Friday evening and I'm just in meetings all day, Monday through Friday, I'm still squeezing in as much fun as I can after hours, whether it's going out to dinner someplace interesting or trying to find some sort of local flavor adventure. And on this past trip, I had a free weekend. So um, I was looking for things to do, and I ended up deciding to visit Kyoto, which I had not been to before. So I took the uh, the bullet train out to Kyoto, and I, I got in on uh, Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and when I originally looked at the forecast, it was supposed to be dry on Saturday and rainy on Sunday. So I kind of planned, all right, I'm going to do all the outdoor stuff I can do on Saturday. And then if it rains on Sunday, I'll do more indoor things then. Um, but ended up having a blast. Went to um, the bamboo forest. I went to a couple of shrines, a couple of temples. Uh, went to see some monkeys. Um, it was just a, a chance to really explore the world. I mean, obviously, I had to pay my way. Sure. Uh, in terms of the the train ticket, the the bullet train uh, to and from Kyoto, but beyond that, I mean, just the the opportunity to explore um, on somebody else's dime was really kind of the it's the best case scenario. Well, a hundred percent agree, and that that's kind of the unfortunate thing about some of the last trips that I've been on have been so short and so like kind of time constrained that I really haven't gotten. I mean. I haven't really gone to anywhere super interesting either, but I haven't got to explore much. So it's, it's rad when you get that opportunity. And Kyoto is an amazing place. Yeah, and, and for me, I've been to Japan a bunch of times. This was my 32nd time to Japan. That's and crazy. Yeah, and, it's, and this was my first trip to Kyoto. And exploring it, it's really interesting in the fact that from a historical standpoint, a lot of the history is still intact in Kyoto because... Uh, during World War II, American forces realized that Kyoto had a large cultural significance right. to the Japanese culture, so they didn't bomb it, attack it, or any, in any sort of way. So when you go there, you're kind of seeing Japan as it would have naturally progressed. It's definitely old Japan. Yes. I mean, yeah. I've seen so many people in um, kimonos and yukatas mm-hmm. and like seeing Japanese people in traditional garb. And I've seen that before, like in right. smaller bits and pieces, but... Never to the extent that I've seen that in in Kyoto. And it was actually really cool to kind of experience that. I think it's kind of cool, too, that even Japanese tourists that go to Kyoto will rent traditional garb 
Indres- to, to, yeah, yeah, to, to kind partake of, in the yeah. Right. And and I thought that was really cool. Um I was fortunate enough to I mean there were actual geisha when I was there. Right. And it was definitely that I have somebody that would argue this with me, but it was very clearly an actual geisha as opposed to somebody that was dressed up. Right. And I took a walking tour. It was like a, a free walking oh, tour cool. that met up and they we went through um that part of Kyoto and they kind of explained the the cultural significance and and all of the work that's involved in becoming a geisha. I mean, it's like a yeah. multi-year commitment and you have to give up everything right? Uh, for the first like three years, like no technology, no smartphones, none of that stuff. And you really kind of have to live this life of austerity, but basically to understand the, I guess the cultural and historical significance of this role. And um, we, we stopped by places where, they would, you know, like the, the tea houses yeah. where the geishas would be at and that type of stuff. It was really kind of interesting to see. But at the same time, there's plenty of modernization. Yeah, so it's yeah. not like it's walking through like the old west or something like that, like an old uh, mining town or something like that. I mean, it was thoroughly modern in some parts, but then you'd go through some neighborhoods that you could tell were definitely older. Well, their 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 high street is, you know, where all the shops and everything are is, it, is totally modern. modern. Yeah. yeah. But then you can go out into the you know the little neighborhood. I can't remember what that area is called, but where all of the really old stuff is. Yeah, I'm and, trying to look it up on my phone because everything is GPS tagged of right. from yeah. the walking I tour. I just don't remember the name of that neighborhood. But it man, it was so cool. It was probably one of my favorite parts of Japan. Did you uh did you green car on the Shinkansen? Uh the green car being the reserve seats? Yeah. No, I um, I didn't do the reserve seat um, only because of the fact that I didn't need to pay the premium just to know I had a seat because I wasn't carrying anything with me. I just had yeah. a small duffel bag. Oh, got it. Um, and it was just me. So it's yeah. not like I, you know, if I was going with a family or something like that, I would definitely book the seats. Um, I've done that in the past before, both intentionally on some trips and unintentionally on others. Because sometimes mm. using, because everything is through an automated kiosk. Right. So yeah, it's in English, but it's, not always it's not very clear all the time not yeah. the most clear so yeah. i'm like oh i want a reserved train thinking oh i want to be able to pick this specific train oh, which you right. do you but, can do right but then you also get the reserved seat and i didn't expect that um but the other thing is it's kind of funny because i'll post stuff to social media and you know my, my friends and neighbors are like you look like you had fun in japan i'm like well the stuff that i can share yes right right you know because i'm hanging out with monkeys I'm yeah. hanging out with sea otters in a, in a sea otter cafe. Was that in, was that in Kyoto? Cause that, that was in I didn't Kyoto. get to do. And that looked really cool. That, that made me jealous when I saw those photos. So the, the sea otter cafe. So in Japan, they have a bunch of different animal cafes. Uh, last year for spring break, when I took the family out to Japan, we, we hung out in Tokyo and there, it started off with cat cafes. Yeah. That's the only ones I, I so saw. The Japanese understand the emotional health benefits of interacting with animals, with pets. But they also realize that their their work culture lifestyle doesn't support having pets at home in the apartment when you're at the office 12 hours a day. Right. So to maximize the benefits, they had these cat cafes where you can order a coffee or whatever and hang out with some cats and relax. So the cat cafe then spawned off into all these derivatives. And basically, if there's an animal out there that's kind of cute and cuddly, there's probably a cafe for it. So last year, uh, when we were in Tokyo, we went to a owl cafe that was in the um, Asakusa area. Mm. Um, and so uh, in there, there were several huge owls. They had uh, some monkeys. They had a capybara. That's they had cool. meerkats. And it might be a couple of bucks to get into the cafe. And then they also sold, I guess, upgrade experiences where you could pay extra to hold a an owl. That's rad. Um 
and they have dog cafes and, and so on and so forth. But I've seen hedgehogs. Hedgehogs, yeah. yeah. And so on this trip, when I was in Kyoto, I realized that they have sea otters. Mm-hmm. They have a sea otter cafe. And for, I want to say it was like 20 bucks, so like roughly like 2,000 yen, uh, you got an hour inside this cafe. So when I got there, there was already a couple in there, a, a Japanese uh, couple, and then there was two or three uh, employees in in the cafe. And it's a small, small place. So imagine a typical bedroom, like sized room. Mm-hmm. That's basically what it was. And they had a, a large um, tank, an aquarium tank, that the otters were swimming in and out of. So they get on a dry land and dive into it and play. And they also had a bunch of floor space and a bunch of toys. But the funny thing is, is these toys are... Toddler like toys. toys. Yeah. Oh, toddler toys. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. And so when you, when you get in, they tell you to take off all your watches or bracelets and empty your pockets. Because mm, they'll take everything? Yes. So Because you're <laughs> sitting down on the ground and the yeah. otters will just reach in. That's awesome. And uh, they have little like treats. And I don't think they're otter treats. They're probably yeah. just like cat food or dog food. Whatever otters eat. In, right. I don't know. But yeah. um, they'll put some in your hand and you can eat it. And so uh, you don't eat it. But you, you put it in your hand and you can feed the otter. So I had... Um, pictures of me holding food in my hand and video of the otters taking it out of my hand and eating it. And you can pet the otters. Um, if they climb on you, you can hold them, but they don't want you to pick them up. Okay. Otherwise. Um, and they say basically just try not to pet their heads because I guess maybe it's annoying. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's the most surreal thing. You're in this room, hanging out on the floor, playing with sea otters. And there was five of them running around yeah. uh, between the tanks and on the floor. And that was probably the, the coolest unexpected thing that I, that I had done in Kyoto, um, on this trip. And so yeah. it's just, it's absurd, but it's no, fun. it's way cool. I, so I, uh, we both did the monkeys and yes. And you went in the, like the hottest time of the year. I went the worst time of the year. I was there in August and you know, for, so you, you go, it's really steep. It's like a thousand stairs, right up to the top of this mountain where these monkeys are. It's basically just a park with monkeys running around, but yeah. it was super hot. It sucked to get up there. It was a lot of tourists. So it was really packed when I was there. Um, so I don't think my experience was to be honest with you all that great. And so I went and because I went basically end of winter, like right. late January, early February, it wasn't that crowded. I mean, right. the, the, the walk up still sucked. Um, it was in the forties. So it was pretty chilly. So I had a, a North Face jacket that I was wearing, so it was nice. But when you're making that much of a hike, you get hot and sweaty. Yeah. So I had to take the jacket off, and then you'd get cold and put it back on. It was that too hot, too cold thing back and forth. When you were when you were there, was the was it clear? Because the view is amazing. Yes, it was clear at the top. So yeah, I, had a, cool. I had a great view because it's up over the hill, so you can see downtown Kyoto, yeah. and so you can, you can see the uh, the uh, Kyoto skyline. But the best part about this this park is the fact that. You can feed the monkeys, and there are macaques. And to feed them, the humans have to go into a cage. And so you're in this 20-foot by 20-foot room with wire mesh windows, and you can buy little baggies of bananas, um, apples, or nuts, and you take you take your bag of food, you you put the food down just inside the the mesh, and so that the monkeys on the outside can reach their arms in through, grab it, and feed themselves. And so that was kind of a surreal experience. But then you could also just be outside the cage just walking around with hundreds of monkeys. Yeah. I mean, literally, there was 150, maybe more. Oh, there's a ton. I liked walking around kind of. So if, if you go sort of a little bit further up, so yes. you're kind of behind where that building is, there were a bunch of them. And when I was there, there were a lot of little babies. So yeah. they, they were all playing and wrestling. And it was cool just to sit and watch what... 
I found really annoying were the people that borderline harassing the monkeys because they want photos and like shoving cameras in their face. Like, and there, there were a bunch of rules. Yeah. About not doing that. They're like, you know, you don't want to be more than or closer than three meters. Right. It's almost impossible. Like right on them. Oh yeah. No, you, you can't be more than 10 feet away from a monkey at any given moment. Cause there's so many of them. Yeah. And it's not your fault. Right. There's just so many. But the best part is, is you walk up, you know, a pretty steep sets of uh, stairs you get up to a landing and you think you're there and it's just one building and there's like a small little playground area oh yeah and then the rest house yeah yeah and i look at the roof of the rest house and there's two monkeys fucking like on the roof oh that's nice yeah and you're like oh welcome yeah and then you turn and you walk up even further and that's when you see the 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 main area and there's even more uh even more monkeys up and around and there's a little like water feature pond that the monkeys are playing in like some are in the water some are just getting wet a little bit but the view up there is, is phenomenal. So you have a couple of park benches, and then the the view overlooks like a, a, a subtle slope down. And even in that slope, there's tens, if not hundreds, of monkeys yeah. in the trees on the slope. So, I mean, everywhere you go is monkeys. Right. And the most surreal part of it is they're wild monkeys, but they're so used to this human interaction that you can't tell how comfortable they are or not. Right. Because there's signs that say... This is what an angry monkey looks like. You're not supposed to look them in the eyes. Right. No eye yeah. contact. You're not supposed to aim the camera at them. Right. They ha- they show two pictures of two monkeys, and I'll probably have to oh, post Oh, I remember this. that. Yeah, I have a photo of that and, somewhere. And yeah. the sign is two monkeys side by side. One of them has its mouth just open, right. and that's an angry monkey. And then the other one has its mouth open, bearing its top teeth, and that's a scared monkey. Yes. And the scared one's the one that's going to attack. The scared one looks scary. Right. Yeah. And so, but you can't tell really at a glance and basically well, if a monkey's looking at you with its mouth open you're in trouble well neither of us are diane fossey right 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 yeah. and so um that was that was fascinating and so we were just kind of joking trying to look around going angry monkey scary monkey angry <laughs> monkey scary monkey but you're right some of some of the people were kind of taking it too far and, and just getting up to it but there were enough staff that mm. were trying to keep tabs on it because we were going the time of year that we that i was there it wasn't nearly as crowded. It so was very crowded. The, the staff to visitor ratio was still pretty good. Right. But the, the, the most surreal part was, is we're in this kind of open clearing and the, the feeding area is behind us and the view is in front of us. And all of a sudden music starts playing. And then all the monkeys swarm this courtyard area because the monkeys know that the music means it's feeding time. Right. And a couple of guys are walking around with, it looks like um, tool belts with little pouches in them. And they're throwing out handfuls of nuts all over the ground. And the monkeys are all scurrying to it. And some of the monkeys don't get the nuts. So what they do is they then run to another employee, tap that employee on the leg, and the employee just hands them directly. Yeah, so you're like, are they wild? Are they... It's kind of like the deer on Miyajima, right? Yes. They're wild, but they're not. They're so used to human interaction that they're not completely wild. Right, and you're not supposed to touch them, but people do. Like, it's a weird... They're, They're like... They're born in captivity, except for the fact that there's no fence in keeping them there. So technically, they're not in captivity. Well, I guess they were there first. Right, right. So, But they've been around humans for so long. Right. Anyways, it was yeah. the strangest thing, but it was pretty damn cool. The uh, the district I was trying to remember is uh, Gion, that section. That's, that's what yeah, it was. That's super, super cool. And then did you... Uh, I don't remember if I told you about this restaurant or not, but there's a restaurant. It's called uh, Hafu Hanten, and it's in... it's. 
in a neighborhood. Right. You, I think you mentioned we it might, before. It, it's still one of my favorite restaurants. And I, then Bar Rocking Chair, did you get to go there? Uh, we did not make it over there. Um, the thing is, is when you're in Japan, you do a fair amount of walking. Mm-hmm. And I must have walked somewhere around like 30,000 steps uh, each day I was there. Right. And so by the time it gets to be like 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, like you just don't want to go to a bar. You're just exhausted. I did do my usual thing and I, I did find a Mexican restaurant, which is, I don't of always, <laughs> of course, I don't do it on every trip, but I do right. like to find well, a what Mex- was it by? Where was it? It was down not too far from um, the shopping area. Yeah. It was, you know, that, that river, uh-huh. it was on the West Bank closer to the, the shopping area and the restaurant was called Mexican Dining Avocado. And you walk in mm-hmm. and they had the decor down. Really? I mean, they had that whole Southwestern motif. They had Lucha Libre wrestlers. They had... The decor is um, not the hard part, though. No, it's not. Was the food good? The food was good. Interesting. The margaritas were deadly. Really? I don't think they've ever tasted a properly mixed <laughs> margarita. Yeah. So just tequila? It was pretty much just straight tequila. Like just funny. on your ass. Um, but it was also kind of fun seeing the tequila menu or the tequila specials written up on a chalkboard oh, that's cool. at the bar but because it's, it's entirely in Japanese. That's super cool. Um, but Salsa was the, was the, uh, the, the, uh, tequila brand of choice. Um, and like I didn't recognize some of the other brands, but part of it is just cause I can't read it. Yeah. Were, were you there by yourself? I ended up going with a coworker. Um, oh, okay. And cool. it was, it was kind of random in the fact that I was planning to go by myself. And then the night before I bumped into a couple of coworkers in the hotel lobby and uh, we were just chit-chatting what, what about uh, the uh, the plans we had for the weekend. Because everybody was going to do something different. Some right. people were going to stay in town. Some were going to explore. And it just so happened that one of my coworkers said, I'm going to go to Kyoto. I'm like, oh, I'm going too. So we were able to meet up. And so on Saturday, uh, we hung out together. And then on Sunday, they met up with uh, a friend, I think, that, was, that lived out there or was going to be in the area. But we went to that Mexican restaurant together. Mm. And uh, we had, I, had like a Caesar, I had an avocado Caesar salad. And then I had uh, carnitas tacos, two soft tacos. That sounds pretty good. It was actually really good. It, yeah. it wasn't Southern California Mexican. Right. But it was way better than any Mexican food I've ever had in the state of Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you live in the Midwest, this kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the quality of Mexican food throughout the U.S. kind of varies on where you're at. Like Mexican food in Oregon sucks. Yeah. Right. There- there's one good place. Right. Yeah. But oh, by and large, it's it's terrible. Right. And so in Southern California, we have the luxury of all these phenomenal Mexican restaurants and hole-in-the-wall places and food trucks. And in Japan, obviously, you have no idea what you're going to expect. Right. But this this uh, Mexican dining avocado in Kyoto was legit. Like, I mean, they had some heat. They had some flavor. No. Um, it was pretty good. The, the menu itself was pretty sparse. Like... The carnitas tacos, those were the only tacos they had. They didn't have like carne asada. Right. They didn't have chicken. And so that was kind of limited. They had like, I think a quesadilla. They had maybe five or six items that were, you know, what you would consider to be like Mexican cuisine. Right. Um, but that's, I mean, that's, you're in you're Japan. Yeah. Yeah, right? exactly. So that's I mean, fun. And that's, that's part of the fun. Right. Um, but yeah, it was definitely better than any Mexican food that I've had in Indiana. And I spent time in Fort Wayne, way too much time in Fort Wayne. Fort Wayne over the years. So this was better than anything I had out there. The one listener that we have in Indiana is now annoyed. 
Or maybe or they're just but like that is spot on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny though because out here, our bad Mexican food is still better than Mexican food in Indiana. For sure, like, for sure. And so it, that was kind of the fun thing. And then getting to check out, like I love the 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 street scene, the street food scene in yeah, whatever city I visit. Right. So in Kyoto, there was diff- there's there's a what they call the Nishiki Market, and it's an outdoor market except it's got a a roof. It's mm-hmm. got like like a, almost like it looks like stained glass over the entire thing, and so you're outdoors, but you're really indoors because yeah. you're dry. And there's all these different food stalls. You like, can get lost in there too. Oh yeah, it's super cool on either side of the market. So yep. I had one that was I had a massive crab leg on a stick. So they basically take the the shell off the crab leg, and it looks like um, it's probably two inches by. 10 or 12 inches long mm-hmm. on a skewer. It's it's grilled um, crab leg. Yeah, that sounds good. You could also get a grilled squid on a stick, which... Also sounds good. I, I love squid yeah. when it's chopped up into pieces, not when it's complete and intact with a stick up its ass. Yeah. <laughs> when you describe it that way, it sounds less good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they had that there. They had, um, they had a... I almost tried it, and I kind of chickened out because it was a street vendor, but it was basically beef sushi... So it was a sushi, you know, piece of sushi. So yeah, you okay. have the sushi rice. Yeah. But then just raw meat draped so over the top. So kind of like tartare? Yeah. Or like a, a piece of meat. It was like Real thin, thin slices, yeah. slices of meat on it. I would eat that. I was dubious only because it was a straight up like street vendor. And yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I guarantee you it's fine. Yeah. It probably I would was. eat that. I've, I've had raw meat in Japan before right. at a sit down restaurant. Right. I've, I've had raw chicken hearts. I've had raw chicken. I've right. had raw horse i've had a bunch of stuff that most americans would think would kill them Mm -hmm. because of food poisoning or whatever for whatever reason when i looked at this i was like yeah i'll pass on that but um yeah everything else was great i mean i had um (laughs) i had i think what they call fried cheese but it didn't look like fried cheese but it was it was weird it's not hot dog on a stick style no which by the way hot dog on a stick fried cheese is pretty dang yeah this this was like it was fried and it was covered in like smaller fried bread particles on the outside. Yeah. And then I think it had a light dusting of sugar on it. That's weird. But then is that com- mustard? Yeah. I put mustard on it. Cause oh, okay. those were the condiments you put yeah, on yeah, it. Yeah. So it was like, well, yeah, I'm going to eat what, what this is supposed to be. Um, so that was fascinating. And just half the time, I don't know what I'm eating and it's, and it's phenomenal. And I, yeah. And I, that was a, a thing that I really liked about Japan is a lot of stuff you just eat and you, eh, I don't know what this is, but it tastes really good. And Hafu was, uh, or is, one of those places where it's like a kind of more of a traditional barbecue. Right. And so I wanted Wagyu. And so that's where I went. Yeah. And I've, I've been able to be in, um, in the Tohoku uh, region of Japan, which is home to Yamagata beef. And they take great pride in, in the beef there. And so I've had a bunch of fabulous beef and expensive beef dinners right. um, out there. Um, this time around, it seemed like a lot of my favorite things happened to be covered in mayonnaise, like okay. ta- takoyaki, the, the fried octopus yeah, balls. Yeah, those are good. Taco, uh, mayonnaise is a topping. That's true. When you get okonomiyaki, which is basically like a Japanese pancake. Yeah, their sauce is basically mayonnaise, right? Yes. Yeah. Like there's, there's a, there's a reddish brown kind of like okonomiyaki sauce. Right. But then there's literally mayonnaise right. on top of that. And so it was kind of weird eating so many different Japanese dishes that had mayonnaise. But Japanese like, mayonnaise is, and you can buy it on Amazon. It is a different 
kind of mayonnaise. Yeah, yeah. It it's actually, really good. It's re- yeah. yeah. It's probably because it's made with just oil and, and eggs and not all this artificial all the crap. crap. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. It's it's really, really good. The, yeah. um, oh, God. What is it called? There's a name for it. The What are you describing? The, the taste? No, there's a name for the brand or whatever. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, so in... In Hiroshima, there is a restaurant that happened to be right next to... Kewpie Hir- is the brand. Kewpie. Yeah, it comes in a little squeeze bottle that's yeah. like a looks like a baby bottle. So talk about squeeze bottles. So at, at these okonomiyaki restaurants where mayonnaise is a topping, mm-hmm. some of the restaurants will put it on there for you. Some of them you can put it on yourself. No. When you put it on yourself, the bottle they give you has a screw top that has four or five nozzle tips on the end. Oh, and you can rotate and No, pick? no, no. You no? Just, when you grab it and squeeze it, it puts out five stripes. Oh, stripes. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So instead of just like a single hole in the right. middle, like for a ketchup bottle or for a mustard bottle, it's yeah. got five smaller holes all in a line. And so on this trip, I was there, I was in Japan for 10 days. Mm. I had okonomiyaki six times. It's so good. It's so good. And I've had it with different toppings. I had some with, you know, with cheese, with jalapeno, mm. with squid, with shrimp, with just, it's, to describe it, it's, it's, they call it a Japanese pancake, but there's a, when you have it Hiroshima style, there's two different main styles. Well, and that's, that's the thing that's important is that it's different everywhere you go. Right. Okonomiyaki has, it, it, every city sort of has the way that they do it there. Ingredients are similar. It's, right. it's more like presentation style. Like Okonomiyaki in Hiroshima is layered. Right. And in Osaka, it's kind of all jumbled up. So I only had it on this trip, Hiroshima style, but I also had it Hiroshima style outside of Hiroshima. And so it starts with a thin layer of batter at the bottom. And then they throw on a huge mountain of cabbage and then bean sprouts, Mm -hmm. um, some seasoning. And then you cook some noodles next to it, dump it on top and then a fried egg on top. And then you flip the whole thing over and then you flip it back over again. And then okonomiyaki sauce and, and um, then the mayonnaise. So it's it's like a half hour cooking process. And they'll cook it in front of you or depending on the restaurant. But one of the restaurants we went to, you got to cook it yourself. I, I don't think I would want to do that. It was kind of like taking like Benihana cooking course. There's, there's They kind of help you? Yes. Oh, okay. So you're at this uh, Teppan grill. So there's a huge you know cooktop, metal yeah. cooktop. And there's eight seats around it. So like going to a Benihana, yeah. right? There, then the there's a instructor that's got a microphone and is explaining the process and they pass out the ingredients so everybody's got the same ingredient at the same time so you're doing it all step by step this was where this is in here this is in hiroshima right okay it's actually connected to the hiroshima station like it's a restaurant in the station now well the so the okonomiyaki place that i like is the one in the the downstairs of the train station yeah the red and white flags that's the place i like to go to yeah there's so many different places and it was fascinating because we went to one place that my coworker has been going to for 35 years. Yeah. He's been going there since he was 15. That's crazy. And him and the, the owner slash chef are buddies. And so we were talking and stuff and I had him ask the chef. I'm like, so how often do you eat okonomiyaki? Thinking, yeah. okay, you know, the guy cooks it all day, every day. So maybe he has it once or twice a every month, day. once or twice a week. He gave us the dirtiest look. He's like, I don't like this. <laughs> Like it, we just started cracking up laughing, just realizing that it's kind of like the idea that the mechanic has the most unreliable car yeah. or your barber or hairdresser has the most right. messed up hair. It's this guy. He cooks it all day long. Doesn't want to eat it. Doesn't want to eat it. Doesn't yeah. care for it. That makes sense. It does make sense. Yeah. But I don't know if it's always been that way, but we just found it hilarious. Yeah, hilarious. Because we basically called him the Okonomiyaki Nazi. <laughs> 
because he's very strict in who he'll accept at his counter. Right. So if he doesn't like you, get he out. won't. Yeah, get out. He yeah, won't serve you. That's funny. If you're a tourist, nope. Yeah. If you're a dick, nope. And it's funny because when you look at his Yelp reviews or his Google reviews, he's only like a two and a half, three star. Because but he because kicks he, everybody out. Yes. Yeah. And but the food is phenomenal. Right. But this guy is smoking cigarettes as he's working in the kitchen. That's funny. Like when he's on the Teppan grill, he's not smoking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when he's grabbing like drinks and he's pouring drinks for his customers, he's got a cigarette dangling. Yeah. Is there, so it's actually in the train station? This one, or no. It's this is near the, the train this station. This is in, so the one where I made it was yeah. in the train station on the first floor, but the entrance is outside the station. Oh, okay. So, so you, not the same place. Yeah, not yeah. the same place. Yeah. Um, the, the Okanomaki Nazi, he's in the Okanomura, which is what basically is the, uh, it's a building tower where right. five floors of the, of the building are just a bunch of different Okonomiyaki restaurants. Mm-hmm. So you get off on a floor and there could be five restaurants. Which is insane that that's, there's imagine, that many. Of them. Imagine going to a, a, like a five story restaurant with five restaurants per floor right. and they're all serving burgers. The same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yet, some were packed and some were empty, and you couldn't figure out why. why. Right. And it's not like the recipe or the the menu is that different. You know, it's okonomiyaki is like a burger, right? Maybe yeah. some might have bur- with uh, bacon or with cheese or something like that. But by and large, like the items are really identical. So it was just kind of a fascinating place. But it would be interesting to find out, like, what is the reason behind that? You well, know, to ask somebody, like, why are they? There's so many of them. Well, and that's the thing is I, I would ask people, do you have a favorite restaurant? Like, and why, what makes it your favorite? And right. a lot of it comes down to just literally just the the service or the the interaction they have with the the servers or the, 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 the cook. Got it. So it, it's more of a personal thing than it is flavor thing. Like if you ask like a, somebody, you know, what's your favorite burger? They go, oh, it's In-N-Out or right. Five Guys or The Habit. And it's more about the burger itself. Whereas with these Okonomiyaki restaurants, when you ask somebody why it's, that's their favorite, it's just, oh, it's because Bob's been there for 20 years and I like talking to Bob when I get my... So it, it's it's fascinating in that regard. Yeah, I mean, it's still amazing, though, that so many of them can thrive. The uh, the other place in, in Hiroshima, right across from the train station, that, there's that ramen joint that's amazing. Um, God, I can't for the life of me think of it, but you know what I'm talking about. Uh, right yeah. across the bridge. Yeah, the uh, pedestrian walkway yeah. bridge upstairs. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I had a lot of ramen when yeah. I was there and that was the best bowl that I'd had. Yeah. There's a, there's a ramen spot inside the, uh, the station. They, they remodeled the train station not too long ago. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember. It's a, it's a chain of ramen restaurants. That's actually a big deal in Japan. I think it was like Ipudo, I think is the name. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it had a line out the door and, and we went in and it's one of those places where you, you know, you order your ramen and then, you can ask for more noodles. So if you eat all the right. noodles out and you just got just the, the broth left, right. they'll come in and drop another another load of noodles in the bowl. But yeah, it was just a uh, it was a fun trip. I mean, the the work side of it was work. Yeah. yeah. But everything outside of work was was fun. Just was your able, first trip to Kyoto? Yeah. Yeah. Because of that, I, I think it was fun, and it, and it was, I would definitely like to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what I would want to see because I mean there there are a lot of shrines and that's cool, but after a while you're like, okay, it's it's kind of like going to Europe and seeing all these huge cathedrals and churches and stuff. Right. After a while you're like, okay, it's another big church, it's another big shrine, it's another big temple, and you're you kind of get numb to it, even though some of these things are just 
amazing. Like I went to the um, the Inari Shrine, the Inari Gates, mm-hmm. and so this shrine is dedicated to the goddess of business. And what I didn't realize is every single one of these orange gates is sponsored. So on the way up, is that what the writing on them is on the backside? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you walk up and these gates, just imagine like, uh, like telephone poles that are orange, like they're vertical with a horizontal element and it's all bright orange. And with some like black decorative parts at the top and you're walking up and it's just all solid orange. When you walk back down on the backside, there's a bunch of writing on the backside and it's Japanese businesses and either like employee names or something like that. Every single one of those gates is a paid sponsorship by that business. Super and, weird. And it's basically corporate sponsorship of this religious shrine, right. but they do it because they want that good luck, that successful right. business for right. it. But it was fascinating because I did the walk and I knew it was, it's uphill and I knew it was a lot of steps, but I didn't know how many steps it was. And so you walk up and you get to like a viewpoint and you're like, oh, wow, this is a pretty impressive view. And you see a sign that says, oh, you can go to the top of the mountain. It's just another 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, you know, I can do that. That was literally just nonstop stairs, like straight up. And you're walking alongside people that are 80, 90 years old and they're, they're trudging along, just making it up there. And so I get to the top expecting this phenomenal view. You can't see shit. <laughs> because the, the the shrine and the trees and stuff block the skyline. So you can't see anything. And so you're out of breath. You've walked basically like 100 flights of stairs to get to the top. Only to realize there ain't anything to see. You can see some of the shrines. You can see, you know, the 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 artifacts there, the, the structure and stuff is cool. Yeah. But turning around to look for the view that you expect to see at the top of the mountain, you can't see anything. That sucks. That sucks. But luckily I went early enough in the morning so that when I was coming up, there was lots of spots where it was empty. So I could take pictures of the, of the gates and mm-hmm. the stairs without a huge crowd of people. In yeah. Coming down, there was just a huge crowd of people going the opposite direction, going up. So luckily, I, I was able to time that visit well. Well, if anybody wants to know what these gates look like, just go on Instagram and any time. I mean, you'll see pictures of they're, they're everywhere. You'll see the basic check in front of the orange uh, pillars and gates. And that's that's exactly what he's talking about. I so saw a lot of people like Instagramming yep. trying to. And it was the weirdest thing because they had a photographer right. and they were doing different poses. But the strangest thing was, is these Instagrammers were guys. And their photographers were their girlfriends. And it was the... It was like backwards. It was backwards. That's and it, interesting. But the, the poses were just as stupid. Yeah. Um, you know, they do that like casual, oh, look at me. I'm turning around looking. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> just... But that, I mean, that is one of the more famous thing, pictures you see of, yeah. of in Japan. Did you go to, um, and I'm going to screw this up, Kinkakuji? Oh, that's the, the Golden the gold? Pagoda? No. And the only reason I didn't do that was one, because it's far. Yeah. And and two, it was just because I only had so much time in the town. I was right. only in there for basically a day and a half. Right. Um, so I didn't make my way up there. So I skipped the gates, the Inari gates, and I went to that instead. Uh, and it was, I personally think it was worth it. It was, it's epic. It's yeah. so cool looking. Very crowded though. Yeah. And right. that's the thing. So it, 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 it is on my list of places to see again. So if yeah. I do end up having another free weekend or having a chance to be in Kyoto, yeah. that'll be the thing. But 
it's also the fact that I've only taken my, my son to Japan for the first time last year to right. Tokyo. And so there's so much over the other country that we haven't seen yet. So right. I kind of like leaving some stuff left off the list. Yeah, so that way together. Yeah. And I can no, experience it sense. for the first time with my family. I am. Um, I, I really, 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 really enjoyed. We've talked about this a little bit before, but I really enjoyed Kyoto. I was also in Osaka and I would say that I, I kind of wish that I had put a little more thought into my time in Osaka. Cause now after seeing, uh, was that our man in Japan and, and a few other things and learning a little bit more about it, I definitely want to go back there. Osaka was interesting because I did that was where I did my uh, Mari car experience the the Mario Kart go karting right. on the streets of Japan. I, I still want to do that. I did that in Osaka and I did it right before the government started cracking down on that. Right. But Osaka to me is an interesting town um, or interesting city. It, it reminds me a lot of like the San Fernando Valley, like downtown, like L.A. Yeah. In the fact that it's it's spread out, so you kind of there is no there there is a downtown. But so much is it is farther away, so it's like you getting around Osaka. I thought was a little more of a challenge than I expected. Well, I I spent a lot of time. What's the street on the river with the all Dota the signs? Boring? Yeah, so yeah. I was down there, and what I kind of missed out on, and I really part of the reason I want to go back is that's a great street food spot. Right. So I I didn't really. I had a bunch of street food there. That yeah. Was great. So I didn't do enough of that, and that's where I I was only there for a night. And so I kind of that I, I think I screwed that up a little bit. Yeah, and so that 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 is a little bit of a challenge is, is figuring out like the balance of you know what you want to see because like when you're in Tokyo, Tokyo is like Manhattan where you don't really have to walk much because there's trains and subway lines everywhere, so you can pretty much yeah. get there by rail and then pop out and walk a block or two and you're there. Hiroshima is more like Indianapolis. It's got a couple of tall buildings downtown. But five minutes outside the city center, you're in the middle of nowhere in a grassy field. Right. Osaka is more like San Fernando Valley. It's just suburbia, just spread out really far. And so there is rail, but it's not as easy to get around. So you kind of almost need a car to kind of get around Osaka and Hiroshima easier. Osaka was hard. I ended up having to take a bus and the rail from where my hotel was because I was in like some weird industrial area yeah. to get down the Donbori. And and when I stayed in Osaka, I stayed at the Osaka station. There was a, a courtyard or a Hyatt or something like mm-hmm. right there at the station. And so I go, okay, that must be convenient. It was sort of convenient because it wasn't that far from the Donbori. I took that same logic in Kyoto and I stayed across the street from Kyoto Station thinking, okay, all the action is next no, to the Kyoto station. Kyoto Station's not, no. It's not close right. to the action. You really need to stay and... I stayed in Kyoto uh, kind of on the shopping street. Right. And that was the hard part was getting from where I stayed in Kyoto to that shopping street. Right. The train wouldn't take you there. It no, would, it's a crap walk too. Yeah. yeah. So it would it would drop you off like in that in the Guyon area and then you would walk across uh, a bridge. And the walk bridge, yeah. Like 15 minutes right. to get over. But that was still less than a, the 45 minute walk if I just walked directly over. Directly, right. So it, it is interesting when you, you think about it like, okay, I'm going to stay in the, in the main station because it's going to be close to the action. And it's like, not so much. But at the same time, I stayed there because it made it easier to get from the Shingasen to drop off my bags and get rid of them. And then I could go explore the city. But it is kind of interesting trying to figure out, you know, the ideal place to stay when you don't have your own personal vehicle. Like It's a different logic that you need to take when trip planning. No, totally. um, yeah, so that was that was interesting. But... You know, so while I was in Japan, like the morning I was heading out to the airport, I actually had to drop my my wife and son off 
So I dropped Mrs. Matt and Grayson off at the airport and then drove to another airport to fly. So while I was flying to Japan, they were flying to Florida. So they did their, uh, their seashelling adventure in uh, Sanibel Island. So we were basically trading pictures of our adventure. So I have a picture of my son eating a massive platter of crab legs all by himself. He's eating a meal for a grown man. And he just devoured the plate. He loves himself some seafood. Apparently. And they were sending me pictures of like the, the seashells they were finding. And they were getting up at 4.30, 5 a.m. to get out during low tide and go find seashells. I'm shaking my hands. Remember my head, I should yeah, say. Yeah. And they came back with some massive shells. Like they had two like conch shells that are like the size of like a, a Nerf football like that they brought home. And they brought home a, a small, like, you know, those um, metal uh, food containers where it's like a paper lid and you crimp down the edges on it. It's like a little to-go container. It's yeah, all metal. Yeah. They brought one of those home filled with massive shells. And they're going through them. And like that turtle gift I got you. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Matt bought Ryan a small turtle built with hot shells. glue and shells yeah. and googly eyes. And, and, and a little piece of brass to make glasses. Glasses, yeah. yeah. So uh, they're making their own versions of that. That's hilarious. Because um, they saw a bunch of different animals in the shells. You, she needs an Etsy store or something. She had an Etsy store back in the day. It's just, it's the the effort versus return. Like She used to make like dog um, walking harnesses. Yeah. Um, like they were fabric that they velcro on around the dog's chest so you can walk them sure. without choking the dog and part of it is when you're dealing with customers that for whatever reason believe they deserve their every whim catered to well because they are the most special person yeah that whole idea that the customer is always right is bullshit is bullshit yeah, yeah. the customer is always right is meant to be if the customer wants that pink ugly thing you sell them the pink ugly right. thing not that if they want you to open their doors at 4 a.m. because they're hungry. That isn't what that, that statement's all about. But anyways, so yeah, back back to the the, the she-shelling crafting thing. Um, she-shelling, not she-shelling. Uh, that is, that is yeah. basically what it is, but go ahead. Yeah. She was right. she-shelling. She-shells, she-shells. Yeah. She, yeah. So uh, yeah, they, they brought a bunch home and they've been playing around with cleaning all of the shells, like getting the sand and all the stuff off and they're, they're going to start hot gluing them. And then uh, they're going to give all those shells away, basically. Just That's making cool. everybody souvenirs. We've got to get her back and, and razz her about this trip. Yeah, she had a good time, though. No, I good. Mean, they had a great time. Yeah, so, it looked it, super fun. Yeah, it was for me, it was kind of strange just because I'm away on business and they're off on vacation. Uh, and we're just like trading pictures back and forth. That's but, cool, though. Yeah. yeah. And it, for them, I think it was just the opportunity to just not have to be, I guess, home alone without me yeah, sure. sort of thing. It's just, you know, it makes their lives easier if they can go out and have some fun too. So it was well, like, it's good timing. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. Did you, uh, I don't know how you feel about Japanese uh, pens and writing oh, utensils. Yes. Did you go to loft while you were there or like Tokyo hands yeah, or anything? I, I do loft. I do Tokyo hands. Um, I did not pick up any writing implements this time. Um, but yeah, if, if you like a nice writing pen or mechanical pencil, Japan is your heaven for these things. When the, the stores like Loft is Loft and Tokyo Hands are the two that I've been to primarily. Their stores themselves are amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and it's everything. It's not just pens. It's pen, pencil, stationery, housewares, knickknacks. Uh, Tokyo Hands is more of a craft store. Right. But they'll sell like uh, fancier papers. They'll sell gifts and stuff like that. And they'll have some of the stores will have. Um, a, a department dedicated to local artisans where they can sell their handmade jewelry or crafts or whatever. They have all those little uh, 
anime dioramas. Yes. Those little tiny, they're incredible. And then Loft is more of a, it's kind of like a department store. I mean, there's a full-on housewares department yeah. and uh, cosmetics and stuff like that. But it's more kind of around the idea of like gifts and stuff like that. But both of them have... Loft has a lot of the handmade kind of cards and things. Yes. Yeah. And both of them are dedicated, or they have huge stationery and like office supplies section, uh, office supplies, writing utensil sections. Yeah. Definitely not office supplies. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's strange because, you know, here you walk into like an office depot or a Staples or whatever, and they have the pen samples and everybody's writing like your mom, like on the wall or whatever, testing out these pens. And in Japan, it's so orderly and people are writing out, you know, and it's just any sort of color line thickness stroke weight like all these pens have different types of pens. anything you want is there oh yeah uh, they're their mechanical pencils are fabulous the 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 variety the yeah. amount they have granted a lot of them are german made but they they're there I mean, just the variety is yeah, insane. It's yeah super cool it's like we used to have a really neat stationary store when i was growing up and for life of me i can't remember what it's called and i probably will never remember it so i don't even know i brought it up but it reminds me a lot of that. It is, it's going to torment you in your sleep. And then 2 a.m. one day, you're going to remember the name. Yeah, you're going to get a text at 2 a.m. But like remembering yeah, <laughs> remembering back to like elementary school, the coolest pen you could have was the one that had the four buttons for red, black, okay. blue, and green. You know, so you could change I, the color of your I pen. I used to push two of them. And yeah, and get stuck. them jammed. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So those are a thing in Japan. And right. they have, instead of just, oh, there's two options, there's like 40 Right. of that same mechanical pen that has four different colors to it. And it's just phenomenal. Like journals, uh, books, uh, notepads, papers, all that stuff is, there's just so much variety. I, I like those kind of, like, I don't necessarily, last time I was there, I didn't buy much when I was in them, but I love going in them and just looking around. Yeah. It's so cool. I mean, it, it's like going to Don Quixote and exploring for, and, Shopping in Japan is just, it's just an experience. It's, it's so foreign yet familiar. It, right. It's just really interesting. And, and my wife, you know, says Japan is the safest, most foreign place she's ever been. Right. Like she has no worries about her personal safety when she's there, but at the same time, she's completely lost and has no idea what's going on around right. her, you know, either from a language standpoint or even from like a cultural standpoint, right. like there's so many just differences, but it's, I've been there 32 times. Every time I go, I do something different, something new, and I still look forward to every future trip just because it's such an amazing country. Well, I too went on a trip recently. Where'd you go? I went to a galaxy far, far away. How was that? It was pretty damn amazing, now, actually. Now, did you dress up to go? No, no, I did not. Um, and that's not my thing, actually. Uh, so I have not been to Disneyland in nine years. I don't remember the last time. I, I think... It's probably been for us maybe four years. Well, I know I it's been nine because the last time I went, I I just know because of who I went with and everything else. So anyways, right. I, um, when Galaxy's Edge opened last year, whatever it was, yeah. I was really excited. I thought, oh, that's really cool. I'd like to go. I just never had time. So finally, I decided with a, with a few of my other friends that, hey, I'm just going to go. The new Rise of the Resistance ride had opened a week before, so a week after it opened. How much is admission to Disneyland? I don't want to talk about that part. It's really expensive. Like 150 bucks? At least. Did you go for the one day or two day? No, I... I bought a pass. But anyways. You did what? So, I bought a pass. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Anyways. Are you going to be one of those annoying people with the annual pass holder sticker on the back of their car now? Oh, God, no. 
No, no, no. <laughs> I don't understand that. Yeah, the it's humble brag, like, no, hey. Absolutely not. No, I. to be honest with you, I actually, Thunder Mountain Railroad, yeah. I like rides. I Big like Thunder roller Mountain coasters. Is fun, like yeah. getting, you know, getting to go and just pop in here and there is, is a, better than having to we spend. are spoiled in the fact that it is only like what 20 minutes away yeah and I, and I don't have to go spend all the entire day. days there. right you so can anyways. just pop in for a couple hours and bail so i was really excited didn't have the opportunity to go finally said screw it we're gonna go and uh i i don't i don't know how to adequately describe how amazing it actually is but i'm was gonna it try. much more immersive than you expected yeah so we because that ride was open so here's here's the thing with with rise of the resistance it's it it, it was a week old and we're you go, had we're to. going on a Friday. So the way the way it works is you have to be in the park to get a boarding pass. And you have to open the app. And you have, or yeah, you have to get it on the app. So we ended up leaving my house at 630 in the morning. We got there just after 7. And you have to open the app in the park. Like yeah, you have but, to, but yeah. we parked. So we, we were in line. They let you into the park at 730 right. on the main street. Yeah. So you have to be in that part, right? So we're on main street. And at 8 o'clock exactly. You open the app. There's. Yeah, you open the app and you go and you get a boarding pass. And there were four of us. So we had to, previous to that, we had to link all of our tickets oh, in the app. It's really not that hard. Okay. You scan a, bar- a barcode. It's not that big a deal. But you get that all linked up. And then all four of us were trying. And luckily, my, my one friend, she, boom, nails it. So we get a boarding pass. We're, we're group 29. The people next to us got like 100 and something. Oh, shit. And they go, yeah, we were really lucky to be able to go on the ride. So group 29 means what? So it's... They call boarding groups in order, one okay. through whatever. So 29 got you in on the ride at noon? We ended up going, I think, yeah, probably about noonish, something like okay. that. Um, I will not give any spoilers, but the the land itself, so that's we're still on Main Street at this yeah, point. Yeah. We went, we rode uh, Space Mountain, we did Star Tours, because Star Tours has changed now. Yeah. So we did a bunch of that stuff, and then... Finally made our way over to, oh, we did uh, Pirates of the Caribbean because there's no wait. Right. That's, that's a great ride. Yeah. 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 So uh, end up getting to to finally into the, the land. And What's that one called? It's called something, isn't it? It has a name. Batu. The, right, the area, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, it's Galaxy's Edge. And that's then the planet that you're on yeah, is, yeah. is Batu. So it is so incredibly well done. I was blown away. Did I you mean, have you, a stormtrooper? Anybody talk to there's you? There's stormtroopers walking around. They're you know, that newer style, like kind of first order stormtrooper, but they're, they're walking around, they harass people. Did you get harassed? There's rebels. Uh, I, <laughs> I've seen some people get harassed. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, there was a guy standing there and I said, I said something like move along and he yelled at me. So it was kind of cool. But, but what's amazing about it is that they, every sight line is controlled. Right. So you, once you're there, it's totally immersive. The yeah, people aren't wearing see. like, yeah, normal Disney outfits. And the fact that there's a, full-size millennium falcon yeah which is a literal childhood dream like i almost had tears can you get in there like you can walk around it it's blocked i can't get underneath but then that's where the smugglers run right is and that's where you go in and imagine like star tours but as sort of a simulator okay and that's what that's what that ride is and it's but it's the queue is amazing so you get to a certain point and now you're on the millennium falcon and you're standing the hallways are accurate there's a hollow chest table oh no way it's freaking rad and then you get in and there's six seats six riders at a time what was your two pilots two engineers and two gunners and of course i was a pilot and of course i was the right pilot which means i was in charge of hyperdrive woot, woot. yeah so it was uh how, light speed it how was, are those uh, assignments handed out at random they give you uh like these um 
uh, cards. Yeah, kind of a card, right? So they give your group these cards, and you can either have what you have or you swap them around. And did you swap? We you... did, yeah, because my my buddy was like, you have to be right. Okay, that'll be the one. Like that's the the cool experience. And I, it oh, was... because they had done it before, and this was your yeah, first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. So it was like the ultimate. I mean, that's a childhood dream come true. When I like every little kid growing up that liked Star Wars, grew up at our age, so, right? You wanted to fly the Millennium Falcon, wanted to step foot as on the Millennium Falcon. As you're on this ride, like, because I mean, when you're in Star Tours, you know it's kind of fake, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's immersive to a certain extent, but you know you're just watching a video on a wall and, and the ride is moving around right. in time. How much more immersive is this experience? Well, you're, you're, I mean, you have to control. So there's the person on the left, the pilots, the yeah. person on the left controls right, left. The person on the right seat controls up and down. So you actually kind of have to maneuver the thing. So it's like a game. It's yeah. like an interactive game, like a flight simulator. So if I guess because of that factor, it feels much more Oh, you're way more You're immersed. not a spectator. You're yeah, actually... yeah, exactly. And so that was super cool. But then just walking through the market, I mean, a lot of the, the toys and stuff they're selling is kind of silly. Just overpriced stuff? Yeah, not or... necessarily overpriced. It's just... Because I... I just just... t-shirts and, and dolls and stuff. I've and heard the neat, lightsabers but... are pretty cool. So we'll get to that. So you're walking around, and that's all. I really don't see cool. one in here, so I don't think no, you bought one. No, I yeah. didn't. There is a, um, there is a like an antiquity shop that you go in, and they have, and it's all these props and things from the film. There's actually even a Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones, which is pretty funny. But there's all these really, I mean, it's just amazing, like the quality of the prop work and all that stuff's really cool. And so they sell in this store the more standard lightsabers so like you can get hans or excuse okay. me, Han. you can get luke's lightsaber you can get vader's saber you can get uh they have ahsoka they have um like the new luke's lightsaber and i i thought hey these are really cool they're really neat to are look they just at. like one piece like a no they're rod? two pieces the rod the the light up part comes out and the, the handle itself it's all metal they're super I, I ended up getting a hold one they're incredibly nice quality like a hundred bucks 200 bucks about like 130 a- 140 bucks okay. depending which is yeah. whatever and then they have the experience where you can go in and custom build your saber, which we did not do. They're the same quality, like super, super high quality. They've got some weight to them. They make noise. Those are $200. We didn't do that. And is that where you just mix and match pieces to kind of... I don't... So there's apparently... And I'm, I'm not listening to a lot of stuff or looking up stuff on purpose because I think eventually... You're going to go in there? I kind of want to. Now that I... Now <laughs> that I... Well, so I had no I had no interest until I held one of them and realized that they're actually really cool and they yeah. make a nice display piece. Um, so anyway, so there's a whole experience around it, like from choosing your kyber crystal to building the saber, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I'm trying to... I have no idea what a kyber about. crystal it, is. Yeah. Don't is that what powers your yeah, lightsaber? Yes. And it's what makes the color of the blade and oh. all this other stuff. But but the land itself is amazing. Now, it's so immersive. So there's only one, from what I can tell, there's only one spot where you can actually see out. So the weird thing is, is like every p- picture I've seen from friends and, and other people on social media that have gone, right? it hasn't looked all that crowded. It was not very... Well, it wasn't. It and actually like, really wasn't I, that crowded. From what I read in the news, park admission was actually down this past summer. Yeah, well, they. Uh, I think a big part of that was people were so scared it was going to be super crowded that they've stayed. Excuse me, stayed away. Yeah. So it's been a nice balance. The park itself wasn't super, super crowded while we were there. We went on, dude. We went on so many rides. When'd you California go? Adventure. Midweek? No, it was on Friday. So it was. Oh, uh, okay. The the Rise of the Resistance opened on this Friday. Friday. We went the, the next Friday. Friday. Okay. Um. So Rise of Resistance is. Now, incredible. What's that ride like? Like, I, I don't, what's the closest analog? Is it like soaring over California? No, with it's an like interact? nothing. So it's a, it's an, it's a, 
it's not so much a ride as an immersive experience. And then there's a ride aspect to it. Yeah. There's a ride aspect to it where you sit in these trackless cars that just maneuver all over the place. And it's the, okay. The scope of the sets, the scope of the environment you go through. uh, The only word I can really use to describe it is epic. It is, it is Is incredible. Is it one of those things where every time you ride it, it's a different experience? I like don't, depending, you know, because of the trackless. Necessarily. No, I think it runs through kind of the same scenario, but you'd be hard pressed to find everything. I mean, you're right. looking at so much stuff. It's it's almost overwhelming. And then pieces of what you get to do is, again, more of that like fulfilling childhood dreams. Do you have anything to do while you're sitting in the ride? Like, are you playing along like you are on the other ride or are you just kind of just sitting there? No, I mean, you're, you're, kind of taking in the experience but you're not mashing buttons trying no, to no, shoot no, something no, or no, anything no yeah. which would be you know it's not like the uh what is that the toy story ride where yeah, you're, you're trying to shoot everybody yeah throwing rings at uh, at everything but uh no it's it is so cool and i i actually didn't really realize how much i do like going to disneyland i mean it's i had forgot it's really fun i had a really really good time and as an adult i like that so we went to the cantina yeah I've the cantina is super cool um, you know, it's the only place in Disneyland itself that you can get booze. And then we went over to California Adventure and did Got some more. drinking and yeah. Now, how long were you in that area? So we went twice. We went, uh, to kind of hang out and then we went on, went on the rides there, looked around, explored, did a bunch of that. And then we ended up going, I wanted to go back at night. So we oh, went to back. see how it all lit up. Yeah. yeah. It's it's just as cool and it's it's neat because they have like i said they have stormtroopers on patrol they have droids they have apparently um they've just recently added and we didn't see them but there's an r2 droid that just wanders around um so they've got just some incredibly cool stuff and they make it feel like you're in a in an actual thing you can talk to uh you can interact with all the 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 cast members like so we were in the cantina and our server Somebody said, oh, you know, how are you doing? And he has a whole backstory. Like, he was like, oh, you know, it just kind of sucks. Like, I'm just here having to work off these credits. And, man, life's been just kind of... Like, he has a whole thing, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's not just like... Yeah, did all right. Yeah. yeah. No, it was really neat. Interesting. Yeah. If you haven't gone... No, I haven't gone. Go. And that, I will at some point. I just don't know when. And if you go, I'll go with you. Like, that's not... Like, <laughs> You'll go back? Yeah, you know, dude, it's so cool. Like, yeah, it we, is... We it's had, incredible. We had annual passes when Grayson was... Two, yeah, because at that point he's free, um, right. so it just you know, misses but he's hard to go with when he's two, right, right. And then we we would go pretty much like every Sunday was when we would go and we had the annual passes, mm-hmm. and then we didn't renew because part of the issue I think I had with it was the park can be very crowded because of all those annual pass holders uh-huh. that are just going all the damn time, and then my pet peeve is all the damn strollers. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know you, yeah. you're walking through these areas that are meant for kids, but everybody in their Escalade sized strollers are just taking up every damn free spot on the sidewalk or whatever, and the crowds can kind of be annoying. Yeah. Um. But you know we we've had fun over the years of the park, but I think you know the last couple of times we've gone, it's just it's been for somebody's birthday. We went and it was just kind of a a one day thing. Um. But now that they have these new Star Wars attractions open. It would it it'd be kind of cool to check out. It's amazing. Like, honestly, it's incredible. I mean, it's just the the detail. The so they have this other app too. They call it the Disney Play app. And when you're in, whether you're in one of the queues, you can so like the Rise of the Resistance queue. There's a full game you can play in the oh, queue. Oh, right. Well, you're basically like 
it works into the whole story. Okay. But as you walk around the land, there's these. So, okay. Remember the Millennium Falcon is parked at the dock right. when they first see it and it's got steam that comes yeah. out the bottom of it. So the Millennium Falcon there doesn't do that unless you go into the app and you do this thing. You like basically hack it and it shoots out. Uh, oh, that's right. There's all, it's so interactive that it's just, it's like nothing else. It's that's totally cool. different. So it did was, you walk away with any souvenirs? Uh, not really. Do they have like different mouse ears with like Star Wars related? Oh, they have Star Wars. I did not own any mouse ears. So what do we do with them? R two D two little mouse ear. No, thing. They have, I saw ones that were like light up that had like the Death Star and stuff on them. But what huh. did I do with them? I know, I know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I um, no, but we did. So the food there is actually really good. There's yeah. a restaurant that's pretty good. Um, they've got actually do have some neat like souvenir stuff that I just you know we didn't buy anything. That reminds me, I, I forgot. I did yeah. go to Disneyland last year, but I went to Tokyo Disney Sea. Oh, I've heard good things. Yeah. So that one was an interesting experience. And and that park serves beer and alcohol. I think my buddy Jay, he just went to Disneyland. So there's two in Tokyo or there's yes. just one? There's Tokyo Disneyland, which is or Tokyo Disney, which is basically it's Anaheim in Tokyo. So identical. Yeah, I can't remember if he went to that or if he went to Disney. Disney Sea was a park concept that Disneyland had it's had in the bay, right? Yes, they yep. had envisioned it for Long Beach at the Queen Mary. Oh, okay. And utilizing real estate around there. Yeah. And that concept stuck around, even though the plans fizzled out for another theme park in Southern California. Sure. So they took those plans and built it in Tokyo. So there is a life-size Queen Mary, basically, uh, oh, no boat that they built. And, and it's on the water. And the idea is all of the attractions are water-related. So there's Venice... Oh, okay. There's the Eastern Seaboard um, with the boardwalk and things like that. So there's there's all these different water uh, venues, and, and the rides are kind of water-themed. Yeah. But that one was cool. And because it was in Japan, the trippiest part was hearing Mickey and Minnie in Japanese and not having any idea what they're saying or hearing Goofy. Do, do they still have the... They have the squeal. They have that accent. Like yeah. You can tell the voice is Mickey or Minnie. Right. But, but you yeah, have you no, have no idea, idea what they're, they're saying. saying. Yeah. And hearing like it's a small world and hearing Jap hearing songs that you know, yeah, but you don't know what the hell they're saying because it's all in Japanese was the weirdest thing. So I have a hard no on small world. <laughs> Absol- absolutely not. I will not go on it. It's the one of the creepiest things ever. I hate it. I hate it so much huh. that those little animatronic fuckers. No, thank you. That's nightmare material for me. I don't have a problem with the ride. I, I I see it as more just kind of, it's not much of a ride. It's just a nice place to sit for like eight minutes or whatever when you're on it. Nope. And then I, I marvel at the the antiquated technology that they've been able to keep yeah. running all these years. I think years. that's why it's so scary is because they're that old school, creepy doll come to life. Yeah, you're just looking at sheets of plywood and MDF painted, you know, oh. with a roller and, and decorated. And the, no. But it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. It, it's... It's, I do love Space Mountain, and I love Thunder Mountain Railroad. Yeah, Cars Land, uh, we liked a lot. We oh yeah, so that was my first time. So I had not been there uh, since they added Cars Land. So yeah, I was the, I was blown away. We didn't get to Cars Land until dark. Oh, so all the neon. In there yeah, so all the up. neon was lit up. It was incredible, and we had a fast pass for uh, uh, racers or whatever yeah, they call springs, it. Springs, Spr- yeah. whatever. Anyways. So we, we had a fast pass for that. So we, we had a time frame to go. So right. it was dark. It was, uh, it looked amazing. All the hills were lit up. All the, the thing, that ride is so much fun. That ride is fun. The spring city. What is it called? Something racers. 
Yeah. I, I anyways, anyways, that that ride was was really really fun. Um, but it that the neon the neon is incredible, and it started to get foggy. Oh no! Right. So it looked just unbelievable. It was that was really fun. I had a good time. We we did go on the Luigi ride too, so which was, was not the, fun. Oh, the the, the that, dancing cars. Yeah, but isn't that one also a trackless ride? Yeah, it is yeah, a trackless yeah. ride. Yep. I think that's where they kind of got the idea for Rise of Resistance, or at least prove prove some concept. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's it's damn impressive. Yeah, that they can do that, but it's uh, it was not my favorite ride. <laughs> I liked weirdly. I really liked the Mater ride, which is like they just so. Do you remember those rides at the carnival where there's like three cars and they spin around yeah, and like they the kind of whip you back? Yeah, 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 sort of like that. It's like that, except uh, Mater is towing you, right? And you're so in a trailer and it whips back and forth. I was I was laughing so hard. As dumb as it was, so what was, I was the occasion up. that brought you and your buddies to the park? Just to go. Was it just because that ride had opened and you wanted yeah. to go check it out? Well, one of my friends, we were going to go for her birthday, and we ended up not, and I don't remember why. And then we were talking, so oh, let's go do something. So yeah, yeah, we just kind of that worked out. Yeah, let's go. So nice. it was it was cool. It was really fun. I had a really really good time. Nice. Um, so speaking of good times, yeah, my son and I had a, a good time the other night watching the new TV show that. You and I probably both like already because it's Lego Masters. Yes, yes, yes. So when when my when, yeah when my son was redeeming his gift cards at or his Visa gift cards mm-hmm. uh, at the Lego store, his first purchase came home in a Lego Masters bag, and I knew kind of that the show was coming, but I didn't know anything about it. No. And the first episode aired recently in last uh, Wednesday. Wednesday, yep. yeah. And I don't have live TV, so it was on Hulu the next day. We both saw it on Thursday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we both saw it on Thursday. Yeah. And I think my favorite part is the fact that Will Arnett is the host, and he's kind of a dick in... Not a dick, but he's he's kind of sarcastic. Yeah. And he looks at the camera and he's as he's making these smart-ass uh, comments. Because, like, in one of them, like, usually most of these com- competition reality TV shows, like, the host will talk to the, ch- the contestants right. and interact with them. And he's like, here I am talking to the contestants, pretending like I actually know something <laughs> about them. And da-da-da-da-da. And you know what? We're probably going to go to an awkward commercial break right about now. Yeah, and freaky. they go to a commercial break. And, and I liked it. It was interesting. And I, I kind of want to see how the, the show progresses. But if you haven't seen the show yet, the way it starts off is they have, what was it, eight teams of, of two people. There's I two think people. So, yeah, so it's eight teams of two. And they bring them in. And they bring them in. And they kind of do a little quick backstory on all of them because it's the first episode. But the first challenge was they had this massive theme park uh, build that they had to do. And basically, it's this huge area, and it's it's eight tables that are all put together. So when they're it's, all, it's got to be ten teams, because I think it's five by two. That it might have been. It might have been ten teams. Yeah, so it's like five by two that are, and the, let's say they're squares that are... Four feet by four feet, or three feet by three feet? I mean, we'll call them three by three. They're pretty maybe. big. Two and a half by two and a half, something like that. Three by three, whatever they are. And so the challenge here is they had to build something. Basically, imagine building a theme park. So they had like a... On your square. On your square. That, and then they all go together. That was... So basically... If they were building Disneyland, you had to build uh, the... Whatever your your land is. Right. Right. So your frontier land right. or whatever. And so it was interesting. And they had the requirement is they had to have some sort of an, uh, animation or movement. Right. And then something with height. Like they wanted some... They wanted height, but it wasn't necessarily a requirement. I know that the one of the rides being electric or yeah. like having... Motorization. M- or motorization, right, was one of the requirements. So it was... And a, a theme. That's and what, a theme, the, yeah, right. right. And so that was an interesting build. But I think what I liked... And I couldn't understand why they didn't do it on every build, but on some of the on the some of the teams, they did like close ups of the land, and then they did the, like the Lego oh, they animated, movie. yeah, yeah, the Lego movie stop animation with mini figs cool. moving through. Yeah, 
But they only did that for like two or three out of the ten teams. Maybe it's a time thing, and maybe they'll they'll have more of that as they go. And yeah. it didn't seem like there was any logic to which ones they picked. Right. And yeah. so I was at first when I saw because they did the the there was two guys that they did first, and they did the stop motion, and they had a really impressive yeah, build. Cool. And then they get to the next team, and they skip that. And you're like, oh, okay. They did one for the space one. They, yeah. Yeah. And then some of the other ones, they just kind of like they barely just. Oh yeah, here it is. All right, that's all right. And then move on. <laughs> and it was interesting from the editing standpoint because like we talked about this before, it's you see a lot of the challenge, you don't see a lot of the building. Well, and that's you it's funny because I was just about to say the same thing. I'm hoping that as they go, you see a little bit of more of what I'll call sort of the nuts and bolts. They showed a lot of like that, and I get it, it's a reality show. They have to have some of that team drama. Right. And they showed a lot of that, but I would personally rather see some of the more technique or some of the, you know, because how stuff's being done would be really cool. The way the show is, is it's judged by two master builders, which I yeah. believe are Lego employees. Brick masters. Yeah. Brick masters. Yeah. There's a guy and a girl and the guy is looking for more of the technical, like building with Legos, but not in the standard stacking bricks yeah. kind of method. Well, and so his name is Jamie and he's responsible for a ton of, of Lego sets. Yeah, the, the roller coaster creator set yeah. was his. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a bunch of yeah, them. Yeah, he's got a lot of them. And then her name, I and I. Amy, I think it was. I can't remember. I think it is Amy. She's uh, she's done a lot of work with friends. Lego yeah, the friends Lego friends. Sets. Yep. And so it's interesting seeing, seeing their backgrounds, but I, I really want to see kind of some more of those like unexpected tricks of assembling yeah, Legos. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I why I think like if they could show a little bit more of. Uh, kind of what the people are doing and how they're doing it. And even ask if Will, if Will or not would just say, hey, you know, show me what you're building and, and how you're doing it. And maybe there'll be more of that as teams get eliminated. Right. Because they haven't eliminated anybody yet. Right. Uh, ooh, spoiler alert. Uh, eh, it's the first episode. No big yeah. deal. The, uh, I already definitely have a team that I just cannot stand. Which one's that one? The husband and wife team. Which one's the husband and wife? They built the farm land. And it, it was funny where... Was it the, both of them were in the dress. No, no. The one I couldn't stand was the one that just met each other for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That one was interesting. The uh, the older there's a. It's cool because there's the old moms. Yeah, there's two. There's a team that's two old moms. The one lady's got really really high hair and her mouth looks like a really expressive butthole. Yeah. And then and you'll if you watch the show you'll understand what I mean by that. <laughs> um, and then there's uh, there's a dad and his son. The father son, which is kind of cool. Puerto Ricans. Yeah. Yep. There's a couple guys that know each other from Portland. There's uh, two women that are. Um, I can't remember. Uh, they're like into cosplay and stuff. Yeah, so yeah. there's a very diverse and very dynamic crowd. Yeah, um, yeah, the crowd. Or but the husband and wife team—they seem like those really annoyingly wholesome people. Oh yeah, yeah. I did wasn't a big fan, but hey, that's fine. Yeah, for me, it's who cares so, what I like? So far, it's just—it's almost—it's more fun watching Will Arnett, yeah, interact, yeah, than watching the Lego build because the build when they show it to you, you. Some of them are planning it out. They're like, okay, we have to do this and this. And, then start, and some of them are just doing crap. And some of them are just running and grabbing bricks right. and starting to throw it together. And the crazy thing is they have 15 hours to build. And I yeah, have no nonstop. idea how they're filming this. If this is, I don't think it's 15 hours in one day because that's just going to be a shitty shoot day for the cast and crew. But it might be that they that's what they film and then they don't film for a couple of days. Because yeah. I think they only do one. I think they're filming one episode a week. Yeah. But my assumption, I was thinking maybe let them sleep after eight hours, come back and continue the build. But I don't know. It's it's they have 15 hours to build this thing and they had to have some motorization and one of the guys or one of the teams failed their motorization like they had a, a piece that moved all the way up and yeah. about 
three quarters of the way up, it got stuck. That was heartbreaking because it worked when they were testing it. And then, and, but I think it's because they made them move. So they have a workstation they're working at, and then they had to move that platform like 20 feet to the other area. And the thing that was fascinating was they didn't let them try it again. Like it failed on the first attempt. I'm surprised they didn't say, okay, bring it all the way back down and then try it again to see. But we don't know. That could have been the fourth time they tried it. True. True. Yeah. Depending on editing. But the, the that stuff is it, it's it was just a really intriguing show. It didn't feel like forty five minutes. No, and it and it follows that a very familiar like baking food challenge, right? right. Any of those reality TV challenge shows, it, it follows that formula. But I, I like the 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 Will Arnett kind of dick um, twist. I, I guess I like the part where he says uh, he's he's telling everybody he's like, and there's a really big. Uh, prize for if you win this challenge and they and pull a Lamborghini, Lamborghini in and, and he goes it's not the car it's in the car right and, and then he opens the-, the yeah they open the front the trunk or the frunk and it's filled with like a million dollars in cash and, and everybody's like oh my god and he goes it's not the money but he pockets some of it yeah and then he pulls out this little container and there's like a, a golden brick which is the immunity brick I thought that was pretty funny. That was pretty funny yeah and so that's the whole thing so this first episode all the winners wanted was the golden brick because right. basically that means that on an off week or whatever they can use that Lego brick in their build, I think, and that gives them the no, immunity. I, don't, I think that I think it's just a token, or is it a token? Yeah, they don't have to use it in the build. I think it just gives them the immunity because it probably gets passed around. Yeah. But the so I did not know this until uh, the other day. There's actually been an Australian version and a British version, huh. and I I would be curious to find them online. I, there's got to be a way to watch them. Yeah. I tried to watch the Australian one, and it kept leading me back to the Australian TV station. But you can't watch it without VPN, like faking your yeah, location. Either that, or you have to pay for the the channel. And oh. I, why would I pay for Australian TV? Yeah, it's upside down. It is. It's BS. You got to hold your computer upside down. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. Yeah, dingoes eating babies. What yeah. the hell? Forest fires. Oh, okay. That's sorry. Yeah, that's that's yeah, too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah, so the show is interesting, so I'm looking forward to seeing what the next episode has and seeing if some of the things that we wanted to see more of become it or if it kind of keeps it at the high level and it just focuses more on the drama. And I, I hope it, it finds a good balance because I, I think it's a it's a great concept for a show. Yeah. Uh, and so it could be pretty interesting. It'd be neat to have like a Lego Master Junior show. I'm sure that's like probably a kid's version. Works, yeah, yeah that, that would be pretty cool. Because the one thing I think that's kind of nice is like with... with some of the shows where it's like construction or like those, any of those automotive reality shows, yeah, they never get any into any details of the actual fabrication because for most people, it's just completely over their head. Right. So it's more focused on the drama. With the baking stuff, you might see some technical stuff because more people can cook or bake right. and they kind of understand it. With Legos, to me, it seems like it's such a familiar item that it would be interesting to see them get into greater detail on It how almost seems like that's all you'd want to see. Right. Right. Because it's, it's, it's one thing that it, I guess it's cool to kind of understand the thought process, but the build part and the finish, the seeing the finished product are the, really the two things you really want to see. Right. And there were a couple that they didn't give much. Uh, On screen time to. Yeah. Of kind of anything either. Yeah. Now that's, I didn't know if that was some sort of clue, like these people suck and you won't see much of them or if it was just, all right. There's 10 competitors. This episode, we'll get into detail on three of them. Yeah. The next episode, we'll do three more right. or, or whatever it is. Well, you know one of those teams didn't get profiled because nobody gives a crap. Right. They're going to be gone. They're just there for the body count. Right. They needed an even 10 teams. I'm so, <laughs> I, 
I don't even know how many episodes are in this season. Like, if I, this I is don't a know. Ten um, week thing, a six week thing. So I did actually have tickets to go to one of the tapings. Yeah, and uh, and I didn't end up going because it was a weekday in Bass or in uh, Burbank. Yeah. And nobody else could go. I didn't want to go up there by myself, but but you don't even see the live studio audience. Which I so that was a, another interesting point is that I was watching it, saying, "Well, where the hell are these people?" Yeah, and what, if it's where, a fifteen-hour build, what are you sitting? Yeah, I, I don't know what they do. They must only record. Maybe it's you get to be there for the uh, finale when they get judged, either that or, or the beginning when they're introducing the. They lock the doors. You're in there for eighteen yeah, hours. Right? We didn't tell you, but you uh, call your friends. You're never going home. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting. But uh, for those of you that follow us on social media, which I would imagine is all six of you, uh, we actually, you would notice that I posted a photo of the new Lego ISS. So they just, uh, it's 22 years ago, by the way. ISS the, is the International, the International Space, Space Station. Station uh, launched 22 years ago. So to celebrate the 20th anniversary, Lego has a, an ideas kit that just came out. It's the International Space Station. And it's, I got to say, it's one of the most fun builds I've done I, in a while. I like just the space shuttle. The other part of the set, like the actual ISS, yeah. I could care less about that. That little, the little mini space shuttle looks awesome. It, it does. It looks really cool. The only part was building the solar cells because there's uh, nine of them or whatever it is that su- that sucks. Ten of them, nine eight, of them, eight of them, eight behind. Whatever, we'll go with eight. I'm yeah. good at counting. It's behind me. Uh, so that, that sucked cause that's repetitive for that part, but the rest of it's actually a really fun build. The way it all goes together was really neat. I dare say I liked building that better than I liked building the, uh, stranger Things set. Now it looks like it's a balance of Lego and Technics pieces. Cause I see a couple of bricks that would have the, uh, the holes in the side for the studs. Yeah. So it's got like the stand is a lot of Technic and then the, uh, there's a few Technic pieces on the, the model itself. How long um, of a build was it? It took me a few hours. Like three? Kind About of thing, three. Or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not too bad. It's not. It's not all that big either. It's only what eighteen inches by uh, like eight inches, maybe eighteen by ten, something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's got good height though because the stand's pretty tall. So yeah. it, it's got a. It looks really neat. The coolest thing I thought about was when Lego announced that they actually tied this to like a weather balloon with a GoPro and took it up into space. Oh yeah, I saw that. So they took the Lego ISS into space and got some pretty cool shots. And the other cool thing that they did is that. Uh, they uh, gave, I got a patch. So an ISS patch. Oh, no way. Yeah. That they, With a they Lego gave. on it? Or it's like a Lego. Uh, I'll, I'll show it to you when we're done here. But uh, it's the same thing they did for the Lunar Lander. They had okay. a, a patch for that. They basically recreated the original, but in Lego. Basically, yeah. Form. And then. Um, you didn't put it on anything? No. I just, it'll sit in the collection. Your motorcycle jacket. Yeah, you know, you're wearing a patch. And then I also sent uh, sent the Audi. I ordered one of those and had that sent to uh, to your, one of our friends. To your Palantine? Yeah. To uh, to Jacob, who works for Audi. So it yes. just made sense. Yeah, I saw that. And I was like, oh, that was so nice yeah, of you. Sometimes I do nice things. Did you take a piece out of the box so you couldn't complete the No, kit? I just had. That'd be, <laughs> that'd be so funny. No, I just had it directly shipped from, from Lego. That was nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just, you know. That, that's it. So those, that's all the Lego news. I'm looking forward to next week's episode to see how that goes yeah. of Lego Masters. That should be pretty cool. But that said, uh, what do you think? You done? Yeah. Let's turn this thing off and let's go fire up the TV and watch some Lego Masters. All right. Goodbye, everyone. You've been listening to the Ungrown Ups Podcast. And for this, we apologize. <laughs>